Praise the Lord. Turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And again, it's so good to have our guests that are here this morning. And uh, I believe, as I said, there's a special, special blessing to all of those that are faithful uh, on a holiday weekend, holiday Sunday morning, before you picnic, before you run up to the cottage, you sought and purposed to be in church. Amen. I love the story uh, uh, of the little girl that went with her mommy to the nursing home. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of ministry that you can enjoy and give glory to God in our nursing homes. I went across the street. Do you know that we have three hip replacements just right across the street? I went from one hip replacement to another on Tuesday night visiting our people. Uh, not only across the street, but at Regency Nursing Home as well. And this little girl, she saw all the contrivances of old age, of the elderly. Over here was a cane. Over here was a, a, a walker. Uh, oh, in the corner was a wheelchair. And she was playing with all of it. And suddenly, she looked on the nightstand. And there in a full glass of water was a full set of teeth. And of course, the water magnified that set of dentures. And she looked up at her mommy and she said, Mommy... Mommy, the tooth fairy will never believe this. I can't believe that we're almost halfway through the year. See, you know, it, it gets worse the older you get. It seems like we were just celebrating 2018, and we're already almost at the midpoint. I've discovered something about midpoints. It's easy to get comfortable at the midpoint and not climb the whole mountain. It's easy to get, uh, you know, tired at, at halfway through the marathon and throw in the towel and quit running the race. Since we're almost at the midpoint and we started the year declaring Breakthrough 2018, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, I thought I'd give you a shot in the arm at this mid-year point and, and continue to explore this powerful subject that we find throughout the Word. There's no other subject that I find more incredible in the Word of God than faith. And you could preach a whole year about it. I'm coming close. And I want to share with you this morning a new dimension of faith walking and faith talking in a message that I've entitled, Can God, Can God See what you believe. Pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive what your Holy Spirit is saying to the church, to lives in this hour. Lord, we thank you that this morning, already in both early morning services, lives, Lord Jesus, were surrendered to you as people accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do it again, God, this morning, in your name and for your glory. Amen. If you'd like to follow along, if you have a sermon study guide, fill in the blanks with me this morning. Breakthrough believing begins with need. 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 There's five 
powerful accounts in the Gospels that illustrate people that were in need. In Mark chapter 2, Mark introduces us to a paralyzed man. In the Gospel of Mark, uh, this paralytic, he couldn't move his arms, he couldn't move his legs, uh, he, he couldn't have a job, he, 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 he couldn't do anything, he's immobilized, he's paralyzed, uh, he's demoralized. His dreams are dead as he's trapped within a dead body. He is in need. In Mark chapter 5, we're introduced to a woman that has a bleeding problem, a hemorrhaging problem. She's had this bleeding condition for 12 years. She's gone to doctor after doctor, the Bible said, and she has spent all of her finances on doctors, and she's no better for it. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Are you with me in this? Yeah. She was no better for it. But worse than that, according to the ancient Jewish law, because of her bleeding condition, she is viewed as being defiled, unclean. Anyone that touches her, anybody that she touches, is also unclean. She cannot associate with friends and family. She is defiled. She cannot even go to the church of her day. She's cut off from the presence of God. She's in desperate, desperate need. The Bible reports for us, as we go through the Gospels, the Bible reports to us that in the book of Mark as well, or Luke 17, Luke 17, there are ten men that are outcasts. Ten men that are defiled. Ten men that are like zombies. They're the walking dead. They never know when they wake up each morning what piece of their body, what part of their body will be non-functional. They never know what member of their body is going to fall off and decay. Because these ten men that are unclean, defiled, these ten are afflicted with what? Leprosy. They're lepers. And they're in desperate need as they walk piecemeal to the grave, doomed to certain death. They have to walk around with their hand over their lip and announce themselves, unclean, unclean, as they're cut off from the community. And they have to live in the wilderness or live in caves. It's in Luke chapter 18 that we encounter a blind beggar. He can't work. He can't see his dreams fulfilled. It's been decades since he has seen a sunrise or a sunset. He longs to see the smile upon his child's face or the look of love with his wife, but he can't. It's a pitiful condition. He has to beg for a living. And it demoralizes him. 
It diminishes him. He's in desperate need, this blind beggar. Moving on in the Gospels, Matthew 15 introduces us to a Gentile mother. Her daughter is in deep need. Her daughter's problem isn't physical. It isn't financial or relational. Her daughter's problem is not psychological. It's spiritual. And it's of the worst kind. The Scripture tells us in Matthew 15 that she has had a close encounter of the demonic kind. That's right. Matthew 15 lets us know that this little girl is demon-possessed. And instead of mommy hearing her recite her ABCs, instead of mommy hearing her daughter sing sweet lullabies, or I love you, mommy, she hears a voice that is not her daughter's. It's the mocking voice straight from the pit of hell. Need, need, Need. Read the Gospels and you'll find person after person that's in desperate need. But what's the promise of Holy Word? What's the promise of God's heart? Need becomes the basis for the miraculous. This morning, if you're in need... You're in good company. Your need becomes the stepping stone to understand and know your God as the author of the miraculous. Your God as the divine supplier. Your need becomes the open door to experience a breakthrough from God. You know, I feel sorry for people that never have any needs. I feel sorry for those people that quote-unquote that were born under a lucky star. They're cozy. They're comfortable. They're self-sufficient because they will never know their God as their healer. They'll never have a fresh revelation of their God as a deliverer. Their mighty warrior who can say this battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. They will never encounter God like that. Because they're self-sufficient. This morning, if you have need, if you've come to this service in need, God's Word to you is Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! He is our way maker. He is our need supplier. He's the author of breakthrough. Miracle breakthroughs. Write it down. First begin. Where? Not in the outer, but in the inner. They begin in your mind. Breakthroughs first begin in your spirit. That's how it occurred with the woman with the bleeding condition. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, before she ever went to Jesus, what did she think? What did she say within herself? What was birthed in her spirit? She thought... Circle that word thought. She thought to herself. 
If I can just touch his clothing, I will be healed. Hallelujah. I want you to notice something here. The miraculous breakthroughs first begin on the inner before they're manifested on the outer. Miracles first begin in your spirit before they're manifested in your flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Your thoughts are powerful. You set the direction of your life, your marriage, your family, your destiny by your thinking. How are you thinking in your marriage, by the way? I love the story about the the couple that were constantly quarreling, constantly fighting, constantly uh, bickering with one another. By the way, my wife and I, we never fight. Never had one fight. We just have intense fellowship. And he finally sat her down and he said, Honey, how is it? With my short fuse, with my yelling, you never seem to get upset. You're always calm. You're always so put together. She looked at him and smiled smugly. She said, well, during those times, I just go get your toothbrush. He said, how does my toothbrush help you keep your cool? She says, I use it to clean the toilets. Your thoughts, your thinking will set the direction of your life. What kind of thoughts, what kind of thinking is coming into your mind? What kind of thinking are you harboring in your spirit? If it's a thought that produces fear, if it's a thought producing insecurity, feelings of inadequacy, unbelief and doubt, discouragement and depression, I want to guarantee you that doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from above. It comes from below. I'm talking about satanic stuff like you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to, get, you're never going to walk in, in full health again. Come on, face it. Your, 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 your granddad had it. Your dad had it. Even your pet dog had it. And you're going to have it. What does the Bible say about our thoughts? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and bringing, bringing, this is an action on your part, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen, sir, ma'am, young person, you need to get into the habit of casting down the enemy's lies. When it's a negative thought, when it's a, a thought that does not glorify God, when it's not positive but negative, when it's destructive, you need to cast it down. You need to cast down the enemy's lies within your mind and your spirit and start believing what God says about you, what God says for you. Listen, God's not limited by your family tree. God's not limited by your economic status. He's not limited by your education. He's not limited by your expertise. The only thing that limits the hand of God is your unbelief. Your unbelief. 
So who are you going to believe? The enemy or your God? The enemy says, <laughs> the enemy says, you're not able to be a success. You're, you're a failure. You're a loser. God says we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. The enemy says, you'll never get out of debt. You'll never have enough money for retirement. You won't have enough to pay every month's bills. God says you'll not only get out of debt, but you'll be the lender and not the bower. For my God shall supply all of your need. The enemy says you'll never get well. You'll never be fit or healthy again. The Lord says by his stripes ye are healed. The enemy says you'll never amount to anything. God says I'm the glory and the lifter of your head and I will cause you to be the head and not the tail. Walking. Walking with faith. Walking with God thoughts that are fixed and focused as Focused on the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. This book has more than 3,000 promises for every born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing Christian. Take His promises to the bank, and you'll find that they are true and worthy of all praise. Mark it down. Walking with an attitude of breakthrough believing is releasing the miracle in your mouth. Did you know that your mouth has the capacity for the miraculous? Did you know that your mouth has the capacity for blessing, for victory, for health and healing? Conversely, your mouth has the capacity for cursing, for defeat, for death. Instead of life. What did the needy of the gospel say when they encountered Jesus? It's a very interesting analysis. When you look at all five needy accounts, what you discover... When the ten lepers saw Jesus, how did they respond? Luke 17, as Jesus entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood where? Afar off. Because they're unclean. But what did they do? They began to shout. They began to cry out. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, uh, Master, have mercy on us. When the blind beggar heard that Jesus was passing by, what did he do? Um, Luke chapter 18, Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and the blind beggar cried out saying, Jesus, Son of David. By saying Son of David, what was this blind man doing? He was confessing Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. God help us. God, you know, those people that are in the church that complain about us being too loud, shouting and praising and worshiping the Lord, you know, those same people can go to a football game, basketball game, baseball game, they can paint themselves blue, red, you know, what what have you, a little rubber ball goes through a, a metal rim, and they go insane, they go crazy. But you come to church, oh, they're sitting in the pew, and they're telling uh, the blind beggar, you better shut up. You better be quiet. Oh, God, help us from those kind.
in church. Huh? What did they do when they, uh, what did the blind beggar do? When uh, the people warned him to shut up. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me! It just caused him to cry out even louder. When the Gentile mother with the demon-possessed daughter, when she encountered Jesus, what else did she encounter? Look at Matthew 15, verse 22. A woman from Canaan, no, it's not Israel, She's from a heathen nation who was living there, came to Jesus pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, King David's son. She also confesses Jesus being the Son of God, being the Messiah. For my daughter has a demon within her, and it torments her constantly. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. And his disciples urged him to do what? To send her away. Every church, let me tell you, let me give you a little pastoral insight here. You know, the church is not a showcase of perfect people. Church is a hospital. We have all kinds. Sad to say, I'll tell you, we got Brother Bulldog that attends here. And we have Sister Doberman that attends here. You'll find them in every church. They, they were one of the disciples with Jesus. You know, that's why you'll never see them as a hostess, a greeter at the front door, or an usher. I make sure Brother Bulldog and Sister Doberman can't minister in those areas. Only the happy people, the, the people-loving people of Lakeside. Amen! But these disciples, they're like Brother Bulldog and Sister Doberman. Jesus, send her away. Get her out of here. Tell her to get going, they said. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent to help the Jews, the lost sheep of Israel, not the Gentiles. You see, Jesus was first sent by Father God to Israel. And then the apostles were to get the word out. How did she respond to that closed door? Verse 25, but she came and worshipped him and pled again, Sir, help me. Get a hold of that faith. Get a hold of that kind of faith. Listen, what environment are you creating in your marriage, your home, your life, your job, your schooling? What environment are you creating by your words? By your words. You see, the Bible teaches what you say is what you will get. I have found that to be true over and over and over again. Now, you met my wife this morning. God bless her. We have our birthdays at holiday time. She's a January birthday. I'm a December birthday. Our birthdays are so close together. And with the holidays, it's very normal for us to celebrate our birthdays together. Just like uh, a couple, they had both turned 60 years of age. Say 60 with me. They both turned 60 years of age. And they decided, since their birthdays were close to together, that they would celebrate their birthday at one time. They had the cake, the candles on it. They decided to make a wish. Before they could make a wish, poof, 
an angel appeared. The angel said, I'm here to grant each of you one wish. What's your wish? The woman said, I've always wanted to have an around-the-world tour with my loving husband. Poof! Round-the-world tickets appeared in her hand. The 60-year-old husband is now posed the same question by the angel, what is your wish? And he said, as he looked at his 60-year-old wife, he said, you know, I'd really like to be married to a woman that's six or 30 years younger than me. I'd like to be married to a woman 30 years my junior. Poof! He was made 90 years old. What you say, you will get. What environment are you creating in your marriage, your home, your job, your life by your words? Whatever it is, you'll have to live in it. The moment you speak something, you give birth to it. If you're in the habit of saying, Oh, pastor, nothing good ever happens to me. Nothing good ever comes my way. Other people are born under a lucky star, but not me. Nothing good ever comes my way. Guess what? Nothing good will ever come your way. That's right. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2 says, We are snared by the words of our mouths. That's just what happened when Israel first came to the promised land. When Israel first came to the promised land, what did they say? Did they say, Ha! God with us! If God before us, who can be against us? Is that what they said? No, they said, There's giants in the land. We can't do it. They'll defeat us. They'll kill us. Why did God bring us here? Did God hear what they said? Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, How long will this wicked nation complain about me? For I have what? Heard all that they have been saying. Tell them the Lord... Now get a hold of this. This is powerful. Tell them the Lord vows to do to you what you feared. You're going to get just what you said. I'm going to give you just what you have claimed and named. The Lord vows to do to you what you feared. You will all die here in the wilderness. God hears every word. You see, Jesus... Because of the power of your words, the miracle that can be in your mouth. That's why Jesus taught us to speak to our mountains. Jesus said in Mark 11, I say to you, I say to you, Mark 11, put it up. I say to you, whoever, what? Says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Jesus talks more about saying, speaking, than he does about praying and believing in this portion of God's Word. Get a hold of that. When you confess your faith, you own it. You give birth to it. You give life to it. 
No wonder the Bible teaches in Joel chapter 3, verse 10, let the weak say what? I am strong. You see the principle here. Let the sick say, I am healed. Let the poor say, I am well off. Let the depressed say, I am happy. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. You become what you say. Speak to your mountains. Because there's a miracle in your mouth. But finally, breakthrough believing, and this is where I've been wanting to go. Here's the essence, the heart, the core of this message to you this morning. Finally, breakthrough believing is confirmed by not just what we think or what we say, but by what we do. Faith is always, always, always something that you do. You do. Listen, this is what... We find in those gospel accounts. Let's look at the needy people again. In the examples we've pointed out. Let's look at the five needy examples in the gospels again. The woman with the bleeding condition. She didn't stay home and just pray. She didn't stay home and just believe. She did something about it. When Jesus came to town, what did she do? The crowds were all pressed in. She couldn't get to Jesus. So what did she do? The Bible says that she got down on all fours and she crawled between the legs and I imagine under the legs. (laughs) And she got to Jesus. She reached out and the Bible says that she was able to touch (laughs) the hem of His garment and instantly she was healed and made whole. Jesus said... Somebody's touched me. The disciples looked at him and said, Are you crazy? There's all kinds of people rubbing shoulders with you, Jesus. He said, No, I felt miracle power being released from my body. Somebody touched me with faith. I want you to notice this here. Suddenly the woman comes up trembling, bowing before Jesus. And what does Jesus say to her in Mark chapter 5? I want you to get a hold of this. He said to her, Daughter... Your what? Faith. Her her belief? No, no. She could have stayed at home and believed. Her asking? No, she could have stayed at home asking. Faith is what she did. What she did has healed you. What you have just done by reaching out and touching me. What you have just done acting on your belief. uh, Exercising real faith has healed you. Go in peace. And be freed from your suffering. Well, take the example of Luke 17. Uh, the ten lepers. When the ten lepers uh, cried to Jesus in faith believing, He said something impossible to them. Look at Luke 17. So when He saw them, He said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. Now most Christians, when they read their Bible, they miss this. That's why you need to highlight it, underscore it, or circle it. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. They weren't healed before. They didn't say, hey, we'll believe it, Jesus, when we see it. Jesus said, go now. Go in your leprous condition Go to the priests. 
It was insane. It was crazy. These men were defiled. These men were unclean. And they were told by Jesus to go to the most holy men of that time and culture, the priests. What did they do? They acted on their belief. They put actions to their faith. They did what Jesus told them. They went to the priests. And in the going, they were healed. When one of them returned back to give thanks to Jesus, what did he say to to him? Arise, go your way. Your faith, the fact that you obeyed what I told you, the fact that you put legs to your faith, the fact that you put actions to your faith has made you well. Putting actions to our faith is what brings the breakthrough. If you don't believe me, let's look again at Luke 18.42. The blind beggar kept shouting when people tried to shut him up. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith. His faith, which was exemplified by his shouting. His action has made you well. How about the Gentile mother? The pagan mother? Jesus had only been sent to the Jews. Jesus had only been sent to the household of Israel. This woman from Canaan comes to Jesus and the disciples hush her up, tell her to go away. Even Jesus says, I'm only here for the Jews. What happened? What happened? Matthew 15 verse 28, Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, Great is your faith. How did God know her faith? By what she did. How she kept persisting. How she kept worshiping. How she kept calling out upon Jesus. Her actions exemplified her faith. Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter who was demon-possessed, was healed uh, from that very hour. But the classic example is the paralytic of Mark chapter 2. The man trapped uh, within a dead body. He heard that Jesus was in town. He heard that Jesus was ministering in a home. And so what did the paralytic do? He called up on his cell phone four of his friends. He said, would you carry me on my bed (laughs) to to Jesus? Can you imagine carrying your friend on a bed across town to Jesus? They get, their shoulders are aching. They're exhausted, these four men. I mean, it's a heavy burden to go across town carrying your, uh, your friend on a bed. And what happens when they got to the house? It was full. It was jammed out. It was like the McDonald's drive through fast lane at breakfast on Saturday morning. And pastor said, I'm not going to wait in that line. I'm going to run in the restaurant. And, they'll serve, and there was even a bigger line inside the restaurant. And I got back out of my car and got in the long line. Yeah. When they saw that house jammed with people, that paralytic, he could have said, well, it must not be God's will. It must not be God's time. This must be a sign that I'm being turned away. It must be a sign, an omen from God, that He's not ready to heal me. Is that what the paralytic said? No. He said, guys, hoist me up to that roof. 
I don't care if you drop me. Hoist me up there. Let's tear a hole in that roof and you lower me down to Jesus. I don't care about Shelby Township code violations. I don't care about a lawsuit from the insurance company. I don't care about a leaky roof in the future. And they brought him up there. They cut a hole in the ceiling. Can you imagine being in a church service and all of a sudden there's a hole in the roof and the sunlight bursts through and a body is coming down. Now this is integral to your Bible teaching on faith. Get a hold of this. In Mark chapter 2, the Bible says, this is the most important scripture to circle this morning. When Jesus saw their faith. Listen, there were other people there undoubtedly that needed a miracle. Other people that had needs. Other people that had sicknesses. And they went unhealed. There was no miracle for them. But when Jesus saw the faith of this paralytic and of the four men that had carried him and lowered him before him, Jesus said, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he arose. He took up the bed. He went out in the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Did you hear that? When Jesus saw their faith. Honey, sir, ma'am, young person, let's talk. Can God see your faith? Do you have a faith that's visible? Do you have a faith that's demonstrated? Beyond mere asking Beyond mere belief, do you have a walk and talk and active faith? In every instance that I've just read to you, God took notice of faith that did something. God took notice of faith that was demonstrated. God took notice of faith when He saw their faith. James chapter 2 verse 17, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? There it is. You know the classic King James Version rendering of this same verse. Faith without works is dead. You can say all you want. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. James in the uh, the book of James goes on and says, even the demons believe that there's a God. Believing. It's got to be more than believing. Your faith has to have legs to it. It has to be demonstrated. It has to move in action and obedience. By faith, this whole book uh, is about men and women of faith. Think of it. By faith, Noah built an ark in his driveway for 120 years, the Bible says. And they called him crazy. 
By faith, he preached about a coming great flood, and they called him crazy. By faith, Noah and his family loaded up all their luggage for the cruise of cruises, and they called them crazy. By faith, when the rains came and the floods moved in, and God shut the door of the ark, and Noah and his family got on board, who was crazy then? Who was crazy then? By faith, Moses uh, and the Israelites, they passed through the Red Sea as though walking on dry land as God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And when Pharaoh's army tried to follow and go the same route, uh, quicker than you can say Drano, Israel saw all of her troubles go down the drain. By faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, not by the ground vibrations, not by the sound vibrations of the shouting, but because God said, shout, and the people obeyed and shouted, and the walls came down, and breakthrough took place, and God again made a way where there seemed to be no way. He was a hundred years old. His name was Abraham. She was 90 years old. Her name was Sarah. And God had promised them a child. uh, And they had not stopped believing for a miracle. One night, Abraham came home after a Wednesday night prayer meeting. And he said, Honey, Sarah, uh, God has told me, Tonight's the night we're going to have a child. Uh, And that night, uh, though uh, he had a battery that was twice dead, God cranked up Sarah and Abraham's old dead battery and to a womb that was twice dead, to a hundred-year-old father, God gave a baby. It was a miracle because this couple moved in faith. And faith without works is, you got it, by faith. Peter was sitting in a comfortable, cozy boat in the middle of a storm. The disciples thought they saw a ghost, but it was Jesus walking on the water. And by faith, Peter cried out to Jesus, Call to me to walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, Come. Did Peter, first of all, put his foot outside the boat and test the water? I want to see if it's like concrete. Uh, Did Peter say, Lord, we better call for a water sample first. There might be mercury, you know, DDT in this water. Did did, did Peter say, uh, hey guys, I haven't had my swimming lessons. Uh, Did did Peter uh, check with the Coast Guard to, to see if Jaws was in that water? No. When Jesus said, come, Peter did what he knew to do to stand up. Peter did what he knew to do. He knew how to get out of a boat. And Peter did what he knew to do. He knew how to walk. And then God provided the miracle. What's my point here? Some of you, God is wanting to take to a higher level. Some of you are settling for good enough. And God has great enough for you. The good can be the enemy of the great. You have settled for a cozy, 
comfortable lifestyle. And God has so much more for you. Greater ministry. Greater influence. Greater impact. Greater souls for the kingdom. And you're sitting back in a comfortable zone in your boat. And Jesus is walking on the water. And Jesus is saying, come. 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 Don't wait. Don't settle for a security blanket. Don't settle for that life jacket. Throw it aside. Get out of your boat. The miracle won't happen until you get out of the boat. Do you see that with me this morning? But some of you are saying, you know, I've always dreamed about a new career. I've always dreamed about a promotion. I've always dreamed about, you know, uh, using my education for more uh, at my place of work. But, uh, you know, God's got my number. And I'll, I'll just wait and, and see if I get that phone call. And just that long, you'll never receive your miracle. Listen, if you want a new job, not only believe, pray, and trust God, you got to get out and knock on some doors. If you want to be promoted at your place of work, show up early every morning. What do they call people that go to work uh, complaining and, and, and always acting tired and out of it at work? Huh? What do they call them? What do they call people that go to work without enthusiasm? Unemployed. What are you doing to receive your miracle? I know a man that had a nicotine habit. I know a man that was smoking three packs a day ever since high school. He wanted desperately to quit. He prayed about it nothing happened. He trusted God and nothing happened. He sought the help of friends and family members. Nothing happened. And then he heard this principle. Faith without action is dead. And he decided to show God that he meant serious business about it. He started every pack that he bought, he'd throw away three cigarettes first. Every new pack that he bought, three cigarettes would be thrown away. And then he was able to move to six. And then before you know it, he lost the cravings. And he said, I've never felt so free as when I found The Lord give me help and strength in breaking my nicotine habit. All began because he put action to his faith. What are you doing to show God you're serious about your dreams coming to pass? Coming to pass. Do you recognize this picture that I throw up on the screen? Do you recognize this picture? Were any of you in this picture... There's a few of you this morning, only a handful, that I believe are in this picture. This picture is of our old 9,000 square foot building just up the road. This picture is dated on January the 6th, 1991. Jerry, you were there. It was our last Sunday morning worship service in the old building.
building. And on the same Sunday, we went in a car caravan police escort down here to our new 20-acre site, to our new building. You're sitting in a worship center right now that was prayed over, dreamed over, sacrificed over, faith giving done over by the people in this picture, this handful of people from this 9,000 little square foot home missions pioneer church plant building. And right now, we're on the threshold of occupying more than 100,000 square feet. Not 9,000 square feet. Because the faith of God's people, faith has action. Faith has works. Faith means sacrifice. Faith means running the race and not throwing in the towel and being a quitter. Hallelujah. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. Amen. We're here today because of those who dreamed, who believed, who put actions to their faith. How about it? How about it? Are you putting actions to your faith? It doesn't have to be something big. Listen, your faith action doesn't have to be something big, but it has to be something Something. Maybe it's praying over your family at the dinner table. Maybe it's just showing up to church on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe it's mowing the lawn of a, of a neighbor who's sick in the hospital. Listen, there is nothing in this life, Christian, that is insignificant in the eyes of the Lord. He misses nothing that you do by faith unto Him. And He responds to that type of faith action. The Bible says, Jesus said this, and if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers you will surely be rewarded. As our keyboardist comes this morning, tomorrow is Memorial Day where we celebrate those that have paid the ultimate, ultimate price. All in the military have given some But some have given all. This afternoon we'll be at Shelby Township Hall. There your pastor will be given the invocation, the benediction. And I've been asked to give a word at the end. Our choir will be singing. We invite you to join us at 1.30. The ultimate price. I came across recently a story out of the Korean War. The battle at Heartbreak Hill. The communication lines went down. And the battle was doomed to failure. Doomed to defeat. Not on behalf of the enemy, but we were going to be defeated at Heartbreak Hill. And then instantly... Impossibly, the communication line was restored. And we won the battle because of it. 
afterwards, as the bodies were being collected of our armed forces, they came across a young sergeant. His arms had become crippled and paralyzed because of being shot. His hands were deeply, badly burned. And yet clenched between his teeth was the communication line. And he restored the communications. He brought about the victory. As the headlines read, he was faithful even unto death. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be. That's what our Jesus was. When Jesus said, I love you, He didn't just feel it. He didn't just say it. He did it. As He was crucified upon a cross, and every drop of blood said, I love you. Father, I ask this day, that, Lord, that we would move beyond mere asking, mere belief. And that we would have a faith that, Lord, can be seen by You and by all. Lord, we pray it because You were faithful even unto death. You went the distance for us, Lord. You hung upon that tree, the cross, and you cried out, It is finished. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, this morning I'm going to invite you to act out your faith. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one is looking around in the sacredness, the privacy of this moment. The Bible says that salvation is something that we do. It's more than just believing. It's faith that can be seen by God. This morning, I'm prepared to pray a prayer. A prayer of salvation. A prayer that will make you right with God and give you a home in heaven. This morning, if you would like to be included in this prayer, that I'm about to pray, a prayer that will make you righteous and cleanse you from your sins and give you a home in heaven, I'm going to ask you to demonstrate your faith. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you want to be included, in this prayer, demonstrate your faith by just lifting up your hand right now without any hesitation. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up high for Jesus. He was lifted up high for you. How many more this morning? Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? God bless you. God bless you. Yes. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Keep those hands lifted up. And pray this prayer with me. Everyone, pray this prayer out loud. Make this prayer your prayer. Own it this morning. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I confess I have sinned 
I'm a sinner. But Jesus, I declare, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for cleansing me, for changing me. I thank you for saving me. And now, Jesus, I receive as I believe. Amen.